0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 244. My name is Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin?
1: I'm doing pretty
0: good. Good. Glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a packed show for you this week with three reviews in the lineup. We'll be talking about the thriller The Girl with All the Gifts, Jordan Peele's directorial debut, Get Out, and then also we have... Uh, making Blair's directorial debut with I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Remember, you can join in on the conversation by sending us an email at podcast.filmpulse.net. You can send us a tweet at filmpulsenet. And if you like what you hear, consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash filmpulse for just a dollar a month. And that will help keep the show running Let's talk about a couple news things. First up, uh, the Independent Spirit Awards were last night. I don't know if you had a chance to look at the uh, results of this.
1: How's this? I was Moonlight won a bunch of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Moonlight actually broke the record for most wins. It won six awards last night. Nice. Including... Best Director, Best Feature, Best Screenplay, Best Editing, Best Cinematography, and the Robert Altman Award. So, yeah, Moonlight pretty much uh, cleaned up. Best First Feature went to The Witch. The Cassavetes Award went to Spa Night.
1: Oh, okay. I might have to check that one out.
0: Yeah, that one looked uh, interesting. Yeah, I was always kind of on the fence with that one. I think that's on Netflix Instant. It might be.
1: I might have to check that one out.
0: Best female lead went to Isabel Hubert for Elle. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And I hope she wins tonight at the Oscars too, because I feel like she should. Best male lead went to Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea. Supporting female went to Molly Shannon for other people. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I didn't I didn't see that one. Um, I just cancer movies just typically aren't my thing. Just can't do it. Nah, nah. Nothing against them, it's just too much. Too 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 many motions.
1: Gotcha. Supporting Thank male went to Ben
0: Foster for Hell or High Water. Okay. Best documentary OJ made in America. Uh, international film Tony Erdman. All right. I suspect that'll probably win tonight as well for foreign language. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So congrats to all the winners. Again, not entirely sure how independent these awards are.
1: Well, that's why we have those new awards.
0: Yeah, I saw that. The what
1: American independent yeah, something like that. film awards? Some something like that. We're just gonna keep trying it, trying it over and over. Because <laughs> watch it, they'll probably get taken over by what you know, within like a year or two. Mm-hmm. Cause I think like the cutoff for that's like one million. So that'll like bump up. Yeah. It'll get to ten million at some point, and then we'll come out with another independent awards.
0: Yeah. We'll just keep going. Yeah. So that's the uh, Independent Spirit Awards. The Oscars are on tonight, but we are recording this before the air, so we do not know the results. Uh, My guess is that La La Land won a shitload, and a lot of people are happy, and a lot of people are not happy about that.
1: The only thing, the main thing I care about is I want to see Bradford Young win. That would be
0: fantastic. That would make me so happy. I guess we'll, we'll find out. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention is the unfortunate passing of Bill Paxton.
1: Yeah, what the hell is that all
0: about? That was uh, yeah. News news came out today that unfortunately uh, it looks like he went into surgery and there were complications and unfortunately he he passed away.
1: That's bullshit.
0: I know. I man, Bill it was Paxton. it was funny. I was talking to my wife about because she's like, oh, we should watch. She's like, oh, we should watch Twister. And I was like, what? Like out of all of the, the Paxton movies, you would choose Twister and then like watch. and then i I looked up his filmography and it and it made me realize it like reiterated the fact that the dude was in so many amazing movies
1: he's in he's in so much
0: I saw a tweet that said like he was one of the few actors that could straddle the line between uh being a successful character actor and uh, a full on Hollywood celebrity. And I agree with that. Like there were so many movies that he was in. Like he, he, he could play the kind of the character actor role.
1: He's good. He's good at playing everything. Really?
0: I want to watch weird science. Yeah. Frailty. Frailty. Man, that's a good underrated movie right there. Obviously aliens. Oh man. That is. Terminator.
1: Ah, I forgot. True that. lies.
0: How about true lies? Navy seals. <laughs> Tombstone.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the simple plan.
0: Yeah, he was just a phenomenal actor. Uh he'll definitely be missed. Rest in peace, Bill Paxton. Moving on. I think uh we should go ahead and get into our first movie. Uh let's start with here's the order we're gonna go in. Uh, there's it, no really there's ma- no real reason behind this, but let's, map it let's out. do the girl with all the gifts, followed by I don't feel at home in this world anymore, and then finally we'll we'll end it with Get Out. Good plan. Okay. So, The Girl with All the Gifts. This is a directed by Cole McCarthy. I have a synopsis here. A scientist and a teacher living in a dystopian future embark on a journey of survival with a special young girl named Melanie. This came out in theaters and on VOD this weekend. I guess, Kevin, will start it with you. What did you think of The Girl with All the Gifts? Um... Number one, I didn't really know anything about
1: this movie going in. I just knew it was like a zombie movie, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I had this like d- built up in my head, th- this understanding of like, oh, okay, this is going to be like a real like small scale indie zombie movie. That's what I expected too. Like a little key. So like right off the bat, I was just like, damn, this got high production levels. Very high. Surprisingly so. And then my like, Glenn Close shows up and I'm just like, wait a second, what the hell is going on?
0: This is like full on legit, like big budget. Mm-hmm. At least appears to be. Yeah, it is. I mean, like a lot of the. I don't know what the the budget situation of this is, but there's some like really, you know, big big sets and a lot of a lot of different locales. I thought it was all going to take place within like one kind of lab facility, and no, they they go out into the city, and it's yeah, it's it's full on. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think for the most part, I was, I was, I was. Very impressed. First off, I thought it was a solid movie. I, I, towards like the end, it kind of felt like they they didn't know exactly where to take it, and it seems like everything kind of gets out of hand. But up until that point, it's everything's like really fleshed out. Everything essentially makes sense about like
0: how they're explaining like the virus and stuff. Yeah, that this one of the, the few zombie movies where because not a lot of zombie movies actually explain what the virus is and how, how it spreads. I mean, you know how it spreads obviously through people experiencing that, but uh f- few of them actually get into the kind of science behind the virus. And this one was interesting because it, in, in this film, it's a, like a fungal infection. That, yeah. That... Which is,
1: which is really crazy. Cause I just watched the other night. It was, it wasn't too long ago where they like that actual fungus virus that affects insects, mm, mm-hmm. it like gets in the brain, yeah, and then they, yeah, yeah. you know, and then it grows out. So it was like, Oh shit, that, it almost makes you think like, why hasn't that been done before? Why hasn't someone tried to make that connection with a, you know, a zombie film? Yeah, maybe they have, I don't know. Well,
0: this one does it pretty closely.
1: Yeah. I mean, it does a pretty fantastic job of it too. Especially when you see, <laughs> when you finally, you know, when they progress it, Right, and you get to see whatever you know. I forget what they called it, like phase three or whatever, phase two uh, of the infection. It's just like holy shit.
0: Yeah, is it phase two or because I thought she was phase two, and then phase three was the result of the spores. That's so why I can't remember. Yeah.
1: But it was pretty, uh, you know, like they kind of say like high sci- or hard sci-fi. It was like hard zombie. <laughs> I <laughs> put a lot of fun, zombie stuff.
0: Yeah. And, and one of the, one of the cool things about it is uh, if you, if you go into it, not really knowing what it's all about um, the, the beginning part with all the children and the procedures and everything really kind of keeps you on your toes. You're like, what, what is this? What is this all about? What are they doing? Why are they going through all this? Why are they feeding them mealworms? Yeah, and just the, all like the, the the procedures, and even though I knew going into it that it it was a zombie movie, uh, I was still I still had so many questions for that beginning part because I didn't know what they were there for. I didn't know what they were doing with those kids. Yeah. So that that I thought was interesting too. There's a lot of there's a lot of positives for me in this movie. Um, I thought it looked great. Uh, I thought a lot of the not just the production design but just uh, a lot of the um like the costumes and just the the look of this movie was really cool i mean the like the mask thing that she wears it's like a simple thing but it's just it has so much uh style to it it's just yeah
1: it was just it was nice to see them put so much thought into it uh, which it, i felt that it, the thing that's sort of Bothered me when it got towards the end like i said where it kind of just felt like they didn't know what to do they didn't know where to go with it, it just kind of ran out of steam and then they're like, you know it just kind of got a bit ridiculous
0: a little bit towards the end yeah i agree with that i thought that the the girl melanie uh played by uh, Sinya nanwa nanua yeah, i thought she, she was great. she was fantastic uh and you know i'm unusually hard on children actors and you are you are I completely thought, unfair when it comes to ch- child actors. I thought that she was fantastic. I loved her unwavering positivity. Yeah, in, in that, this, that was the best. I mean, everybody was just constantly treating her like utter shit, and she just was perfectly fine with it. She was just pleasant and optimistic and and cheery. She's, yeah, and she was just time. so curious, so curious, just wanted to know everything. Yeah, I just I thought that. She was just adorable, and and she really she she's what really kind of made this movie uh, unique and something kind of special for me. I, th- I thought all the other performances were fine too. Gemma Arterton's in it, um, and then like you mentioned, Glenn Close and Patty Considine. he he's great too. I like him and everything that he's in as well. But yeah, pretty strong performances all around. Uh, I love the look of the city once they finally get out of the lab, and. That was, oh yeah, that was like another when, surprising when thing. And they would do the shots of just all of the the stock still
1: zombies, just kind of, and they were almost like blades of grass, just like blowing in the yeah. wind, just swaying back and forth.
0: And that that was the other kind of th- thing that I liked is that there are there are a few really interesting kind of set pieces in it. Uh, most notably, the one where they have to get through this one area that's just littered with probably a thousand of them. And they have to be very quiet and kind of sneak through them. Uh, that was a really interesting scene. Yeah, and it, and it's like you know we've seen a million zombie movies by this point, and I think it's difficult to bring something new to the table with the zombie movie. And maybe 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 it's all been done before, but that doesn't mean you can't deliver the same kind of story in an interesting, an entertaining way. And I think that that this does that. There's not a lot new here, but it's still an entertaining survival story. Yeah,
1: but I do again like how they kind of took, they made that connection, like that the biological, like the actual fungus that that's was found, dead, yeah. really, and then how they kind of like evolved it with, you know, how it affected and went into different stages, Yeah. and it kind of reacted differently, or you know. The
0: whole maybe yeah, not reacted, the, whole, but the whole thing active. was like the vines and the spores and everything that was definitely something. Yeah, and how interesting.
1: they they like with her with Melanie it was more like this symbiotic relationship that was going on. It wasn't just completely overtaking. The
0: human is there, you know. It's kind of like a a back and forth. Right, because there were normal there were normal zombies and they were the the fast moving rage fueled uh, 28 days later style zombies and then melanie she's she's different she's uh i don't know if i want to i mean you could probably put put two and two together and figure out why she's not like the others and why why the ones are that are like that are children but she and several other children like her are they have like the zombie gene but they still kind of retain their humanity where they can think for themselves and can sort of control it. And basically she's the key to finding the cure or, or so uh, Glenn Close thinks. And she plays this kind of uh, doctor who is leading up the research in developing a vaccine. So that's why they have to keep Melanie with her because she's very, plays a very important role in, in discovering the cure.
1: I did. I thought that that one second when she steals like the pod, Mm-hmm. and puts it and I love how she just like I don't know how she does this but she just immediately deduces mm-hmm. that it's indestructible and she just starts banging yeah. like how do, you, how do you know that well, I, you didn't do any type of reset you just grabbed it off the vine and you're like look you can't destroy it and it's like
0: Jesus Christ what are you doing well, lady? I was getting some conflicting ideas about that thoughts about that because it seemed at first like they were just now like They just found those pods for the first time. But then when she was explaining to Melanie how they're hard and you need to, you you can't break them open, that that they must have encountered those pods before, like other researchers.
1: Yeah, but but she, well, I guess that's true. But it seemed like that was just, that was the next stage that hasn't happened yet. And it just started happening.
0: I don't know. I mean, I I think that that probably took a while for that. Especially that one super tall tree. Yeah, that was ridiculous. That was like the size of a skyscraper. Yeah, yeah, that was
1: uh, that was something.
0: But it, I also like the design of that, how the vines looked and how the the pod things looked, because uh, they were really gross and creepy looking. They but, were, but cause they looked because because at the bottom of it is a pile of zombies. Yeah, but it but it like, looked, oh, okay. it it looked so organic and real. It didn't look too alien it didn't look unbelievable it, it looked like okay well that's what would happen if you know vines grew out of your well bottom. yeah because if
1: if you do see like the you know if you go on the internet youtube or whatever and watch those like um the sped up version of that affecting the insects you know like ants and stuff it is it's so fucking creepy yeah. to watch I've, yeah i've it's, seen that oh it just looks so alien mm-hmm
0: yep so I was actually really surprised with this one. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit.
1: Same here. Same here.
0: Like I said though, the the end it, it kinda lost me a little bit at the end
1: with the uh everything that kind of transpires there.
0: So you're referring to the like the end end, like how it concludes? No, uh, well yeah, I guess I should say the more like the, the portion climax before that before. when they when they
1: kind of when they when they discover more people. Mm-hmm. So there's a, like a tribe, let's say they discover that tribe. I was just like, oh, that just seemed, it seems really out of place to me.
0: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it makes sense that there would be more, uh, but but, it was just kind of but...
1: The, way, the way that they were presented, because like I said, everything's like completely housed in this like hard zombie, like backed up by biology, and then it's it it almost feels like an '80s movie.
0: Yeah, because. He... What we're led to believe doesn't. I think that it conflicts with what is portrayed in the film. Like, I don't think that those people would exist. Like, I don't think that they would make it. You know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't make it to be that age. But may, maybe they would because of the the infection. I don't know how the virus affects like aging and stuff like that. But, yeah, I guess so because they said
1: something about it metabolizes the
0: oxygen for him or oh yeah something along those lines yeah she doesn't have to breathe uh as much yeah but you you have to think if that if that was the case if if those people did survive long enough t- to get to that age they probably would be in that state because they haven't had any kind of exposure to adult uh I'm I'm, I'm like giving away bits of it I'm trying to not to sp- I don't know if that's even a spoiler but they wouldn't have any exposure to education let's say yeah, they would be kind of feral. True. I don't know if it would be that way, but oh, I, just I didn't, didn't mind. I didn't mind it too much. I, the the like that scene, that kind of fight scene that takes place. Uh, yeah, it was a little silly, but you know, there was some serious ass kicking in it. There was. There was. It just seemed like the bat
1: was overkill, though.
0: Eh, maybe a little bit, but you have to show your dominance over them. True. You know, like she yeah. was. She was dethroning the alpha and becoming the alpha. Yeah, I'm sure people can piece together now. I know it's we
1: said we've said too
0: much. I mean, that's not a huge like plot spoiler, really. I mean, anyway, uh, uh, the ending ended. I that I did not see that coming. I didn't either. I did not expect that either. Um, I, I at first I didn't really know how I felt about it, but then the more I kind of processed it, it it fit like it made sense. Yeah, And, you know, by the end, I kind of accepted it. Like, I had a lot of questions, like logistics, on how that was going to work in the long term. But, you know, other than that, I thought yeah, it I was... I... I don't think it's going to last that <laughs> yeah, long. Yeah, <I> can't. But... <laughs> There's no way. All right. That's the girl with all the gifts. What are you going to give it out of 10? I give it a 7. I'm going to... I think I'm going to go with a 7 as well on that one. Uh, it's a really solid movie. Uh I feel like I feel like we get one good zombie movie a year. Like we're we're allowed to have one good one a year, and then the rest that happen to come out are pretty much garbage. Like last year we had Train to Busan, and it's like okay. Yeah, I think one like if we get one a year,
1: I don't I don't I think that's pretty good. Yeah, you got to be happy with that.
0: Yeah, uh, let's move on to our next film. We're talking about I don't feel at home in this world anymore. That's got to be taking the title for uh for longest. Title of the year, right there. It's a long ass title. A bit much. This is written and directed by Macon Blair. I have a synopsis here. When a depressed woman is burglarized, she finds a new sense of purpose by tracking down the thieves alongside her obnoxious neighbor. But they soon find themselves dangerously out of their depth against a pack of degenerate criminals. This stars Melanie Linsky, and uh, Elijah Wood.
1: Elijah oh. Wood in there.
0: Tony. Robert Longstreet. Yeah, Robert Longstreet's in there too. Great cast. Uh all right. I don't feel at home in this <clears> world <throat> anymore. This is playing on Netflix right now. This was a big winner at Sundance this year. Um it was the what did it get? The It got, got the, the uh, uh something or other award. It was the Grand Jury. It got the Grand oh, Jury watch. Prize. Yeah. Watch out. That's the big one. Uh so it, it was interesting because I mean, I knew this was making Blair's debut. He works a lot with uh, Jeremy Saulnier, the guy who did green room and um, blue ruin. And to me, it felt like a, a very similar m- yeah. movie. tonally. I mean, like these guys definitely are working off of each other at this point. Yeah. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Cause it, it felt very, very much like a Jeremy Saulnier film. It had the comedy, because like his movies, like Blue Ruin and Green Room, they're not comedies by any means, but he puts in this kind of dry comedy into it that lightens the mood a little bit, because both of those movies are very dark, very serious movies. This one was certainly lighter than, you know, Solnier's two movies, but uh, it's still pretty dark, I would say, especially... Uh, as it progresses, like the level of violence in this movie uh, goes up pretty quickly. And that was one of the big surprises. And like uh, blue ruin and green room, the, 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 the level of violence was, uh, it wasn't like wall to wall, but it, when it happened, it was just so real and visceral that you're just like, Oh my God. Cause it just, it looks so authentic. Um, but, I may be getting a little ahead of myself I liked the movie a whole lot uh, I enjoyed it I thought it, I, I had a really good time It made me laugh a lot I liked Elijah Wood's character of Tony I thought that he was definitely I, I wish there was actually more Tony Yeah, I thought that he <laughs> was hilarious With his, with his shurikens <laughs> his sweet, <laughs> That sweet rat tail Oh
1: my god I just love when he, when he throws the first one That's how hard when I, I gets... threw it <laughs> Oh God! And when he th- when he sidekicks that guy, yeah, and then he explains yes he, <laughs> he has to describe what it is, mm-hmm. just in case you didn't know uh,
0: he was just he was just so jazzed up to finally get to put that to use i I love the first scene because she meets him so basically, like the synopsis says, this woman who and i and I love the. introduction like the setup of all of this because it's like this is the kind of mundane bullshit that we all deal with all the time and it just shows her going through her life and just this these little things like people cutting in front of her in line and her trying to walk through the parking lot where she goes and then the car backs out so she stops and then the car stops and just you know it's these little annoyances that we all have to live with every day and this is these things are just piling up and up and up and she's just getting so sick of it. And then her house gets burglarized and they steal her computer and her grandma's silver and her antidepressants. And she's out kind of the the police aren't helping. So she's out in her neighborhood asking her neighbors if they saw anything. And that's how she ends up meeting Elijah woods character. And through a series of events, she, she has the uh, like tracker on her, computer and, and it pings so she knows where her computer is the police aren't any help so she goes back over to elijah woods house to see if if he'll help and i love that scene when she knocks on his door and he just immediately he's just immediately on board with it mm-hmm. to go on this like it's just... possibly dangerous you know uh mission but he gets to use this he gets to use his all of his tools he took it i love all how weapons. I, I think the was it, it was a Morning Star yeah. that he took with him the first time. <laughs> it was like, you know, one of those. It was like the stick with the chain and the spiked ball at the end. I think that's called a Morning Star. I love how that's the weapon he took yeah. with him.
1: <laughs> uh, he's ready to go. But I also like that he's it. ready. He's, he's down, down for anything.
0: Because I was expecting him to be kind of a a buffoon in the way that he was like all talk and stuff, but he took action. I mean, he kicked some ass in this movie and I appreciated that. He
1: is is an odd character. And I just, because he's also a very religious man.
0: Yeah. Which is, that was interesting. An interesting little twist, a little twisty. Yeah. Uh, And he has a dog that follows him around everywhere. His name's Kevin. (laughs) And I definitely appreciated the fact that his dog's name is Kevin. And actually one of my, (laughs) one of my close friends has a dog named Kevin also. It's it's a, it's a very popular dog name.
1: It's a good dog Makes name. Makes sense. It's a good dog name. It is. It's a it's a really it's a dignified name for a dog.
0: That was a good it's dog. I, I wanted more Kevin in this movie too. Yeah, they
1: could have used some more Kevin. Could
0: definitely a good dog. Uh, so
1: <laughs> it just reminded me when he was talking about the where he worked at Borders. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he Never. got really good at doing doing the film a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> he was just naming what he could do and they just got more and more intricate and then one of them was just Kevin
0: yeah uh, really funny surprisingly violent what did you think of, of that how the the violence kind of ratcheted their- I had a feeling film.
1: I knew it was coming I had a feeling because, it was coming too because up until that point I was thinking the exact same thing I'm like this feels a lot like Blue Ruin it feels a lot like it it's it's a little bit lighter affair, but I have a feeling that because then you know Longstreet shows up and you can tell that with his bodyguard and stuff and the degenerates and you know when it comes together you're like oh this is about to get really violent. Well,
0: also before that, there's this scene involving the old man at the like the swap meter, that that consignment shop and yeah. what what he does just that that little scene you're just like okay this is gonna get. This is yeah. going to get pretty serious. Like cuz that isn't something you typically see in <laughs> just like uh, you know, screwball comedy. Yeah,
1: which means that's a really bizarre thing to do to someone. I know, right?
0: <laughs> that 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 scene uh, definitely took me by surprise. But yeah, you were saying about <laughs> the degenerates in Long Street and yeah, you know, I could just I, Yeah, I
1: just knew, you know, there's a, and essentially what happens to in Levy's character. Cause she has that old antique shotgun. I was like, I, I have a feeling I know. Oh what's yeah, you, with that they shotgun. they set that up. They definitely set that up. They it's just, it's just. I love. I did enjoy the fact that when it first kicked off,
0: she just vomits constantly. Yeah, just nonstop <laughs> vomiting.
1: Oh god. That's
0: probably what I would do in that situation.
1: I think A lot of people would do that in that situation. Just, I would uncon- be concerned. Uncontrollable if vomiting. Yeah. I'd be really concerned if you didn't, to be honest.
0: I appreciated the cameo with uh, Macon Blair because at first you think that, because she's going through this like just sh- complete shit show of a life and then she has this one brief moment with this guy at a bar because they're reading the same book and then he, what he does <laughs> just yeah, ruins everything. And you're just like, okay, well, I guess that wasn't a bright spot in her life.
1: The only thing that didn't really work for me was the ending. Everything at the end, I was just, eh, on. Especially with the snake. Uh, and
0: the, yeah. It was fine. It, the ghost, the ghosts
1: showing up and all that nonsense.
0: Yeah, it, it felt a little, I don't know, uninspired. I guess. Yeah. But but I didn't I didn't mind it so much. Everything everything up until that point felt very unconventional to me. And and everything at, during that that point like felt pretty conventional, but I still enjoyed myself with it quite easily. Yeah. Very uh, as far as debuts go, solid, solid. Yeah, debut. it was pretty solid. one.
1: Not bad. I thought it was you know it was it was a fun
0: little flick, fun little movie. Yeah, it made me chuckle. I enjoyed myself. Definitely want more Tony in my life. Yeah, I could I could definitely use more Tony.
1: Also sleaze ball, Longstreet. I like when Longstreet does sleaze. Yeah, he does a
0: really good job of being a sleaze. Like that's definitely within his wheelhouse for sure. It is. Plays a good sleaze.
1: Uh there's there is some funny stuff in there. Definitely. Good good chuckles and whatnot.
0: Yeah, I would uh I would definitely recommend checking it out. That's uh on Netflix right now, so you can see it there. Uh I don't feel at home in this world anymore uh i'm gonna give this one a i'll throw out a seven on this one too
1: i'm gonna give it like six six and a half
0: all right there you have it uh good good debut for uh blair let's talk about another directorial debut this is from jordan peele who also wrote this film it's get out this is playing in theaters right now no doubt you have heard of this one uh, I have a synopsis. A young African-American man visits his Caucasian girlfriend's mysterious family estate. Kevin, what did you think of Get Out? Oh um, man, did I like this one? I would say I I would say it was beyond like. I would say that I loved this movie. I think yeah. that, I think this movie was phenomenal. I was just so invested 100% the whole time. I thought that it was a perfect blend of comedy and horror because normally it, I think it was, I think it aired more on the comedy side of things. Cause I didn't find, I didn't find a lot of it to be actually horrifying, like actually scary. Yeah. But, uh, there was, there was enough in there that in fact, one of the, I don't even know if this is, if you feel this way, but one of the scariest moments for me is a scene where, uh, the, the main character he's outside having a smoke, uh, And And the guy, the guy, the guy, yeah, (laughs) yeah. like I found that to be one of the scariest scenes in the movie for some reason. I'm right there with you.
1: That scene freaked me out.
0: It was the way, it was the look on his face, the way he was running and just the way they cut
1: it. Yeah. They cut it back and forth like that. It was just, that was creepy. Yeah. I I found a lot of this stuff to just be more like unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a, there's a definitely a number of like loud noises, shit, jump scares that I see, and I don't know if they were intended to be jump scares or it's just because I'm so sensitive to loud noises <laughs> that I just the, I was
0: like, oh shit. No, there was definitely one at the beginning. I can't remember what scene specifically, but it was after he got to the to the house, but it was like early on, and it was just like I don't even know. It was like a loud violin type. Like yeah, screech. there was that. There
1: was when they hit the deer that scared the shit. Oh out of me. yeah,
0: that. Yeah, that scared me
1: too. There was a uh, Stanfield at the beginning that scared the shit out of me. Yeah, it's just a lot of loud noise to scare the shit out of me. Okay, just any loud noise.
0: That one, the, the violent screech towards the beginning, though I didn't feel like that was that wasn't quite earned, but that's okay. That much. Uh, so, was, so this one, like I said, I think that it does craft a really great balance between comedy and horror. Normally with, with horror comedies, you, you lean one way or the other and and it's difficult to, to get that balance. But the comedy in this was not, it wasn't so overt. It was, it was really kind of, it was all like dialogue based. And I mean, a lot of it came from, um, well, the guy, the guy played Rod, Yeah. Lil Ray Howry. Yeah, God,
1: he was funny.
0: He he brought a lot of the the levity of the film. He was hilarious. Like almost everything he said was absolutely hilarious. And again, this is a movie where he was he was the comic relief, but he wasn't a buffoon. Like he actually well, he, he knew something
1: was up right off. Yeah, the bat.
0: like he was he put the pieces together very quickly as that there's something not right here. <laughs> I love my favorite part of this whole movie
1: is when he has his notebook and he has like his conspiracy mapped out with the Armitage name and everything. And he just goes, magic's not real. He crossed out magic. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. Because there's, you know, there's a certain set of time where that was in play. Yeah. Magic was in play for him. And then he came to his senses and was like, magic's not real. But I like that he kept that in play for a while.
0: I will say that the film goes to a lot of interesting places. There was, there were some twists in there that I didn't see. I, I didn't entirely see them coming. Um, yeah. I didn't, especially the big one when yeah. you find out like what is actually happening. Right. I like, I, oh, shit! like we took it into like a really weird space. Yeah. I was not expecting that. Exactly. From the trailer, it essentially gives away that there is hypnotism involved. Like they, they say that straight up in the trailer. That, that Catherine Keener, who plays the uh, the matriarch of this family, is she's, uh, a, uh, she's a psychiatrist, right? And she yeah. knows hypnotism and she helps her clients through hypnotism. So we know that from the trailer. So I knew that that was going to play some kind of role in it because they even show in the trailer him getting hypnotized by her. Now, the context mm-hmm. of that, you don't know what that's all about and where that leads is, is what's really interesting about this. Uh, Cause I totally didn't see it coming. And I thought that just, I mean, it was just so, so poignant how this all, how it all happens. Like, of course, of course, this is what is going on, you know? But um, it was, it was interesting that, you know, we, we picked uh, the people under the stairs for Ryan to watch last week. And uh, the themes of that, are a lot more similar to this than I expected going into it. Cause it'll, cause both of them, you know, deal with creepy white families that are trying to do something very nefarious to people, you know? Yeah.
1: But th- this is kind of like, I don't want to get too much away though. Cause it's kind of like the opposite, like their, their intent is like, you know, people on the is trying to kick people out and right, but, take a neighborhood and stuff. But this is, more of...
0: Right, but in people that, under the stairs, they're also trying to create the perfect child. And that, that to me, I was like, okay, so there's definitely some similarities there. I know, this
1: is, this is a tough one to, like, because I don't want to give away, because we already did that with the girl with all the gifts. Ah, that was
0: one little <laughs> stupid thing with, <laughs> that doesn't give anything away in that movie. So I don't, you know we don't. This we one's don't, very important to go in as cold as possible, though. So I would. But say- I'll tell you right now. I wanted because I didn't see any of the trailers or anything. Oh, okay.
1: I was just I was excited, and then I should you know I heard you know everyone was just raving about it, and I was like, man, I gotta check this one out. And then I saw something. Did I forget
0: who who wrote it, but I guess like some people are starting to
1: complain that it's anti-white and stuff. And I was like, well, I gotta see it now.
0: That's such bullshit that it's anti-white. It's a horror movie. Come on. It you know, I d I didn't once get the feeling that this is an anti white film. Like not not a single time. It just handles those that like really,
1: really small scale racism stuff really, really well. Right. Just people try too hard, like they go the other way with it. Exactly.
0: That's what I loved
1: about it. Which I did find interesting when they were trying, like he's trying to figure out why they're doing this, and they're like, "Oh, we're not really sure." It's like I, I like that. That's where they went with it because, like, the full-blown racism stuff, that like that makes sense. That's easy, you know. They hate black people. There's not, there's not a complexity to it at all. They just hate black people. But this, this, the small-scale stuff is just like trying for everyone has their reasons too, like they kind of point out throughout the movie.
0: Right, and a lot, of, I think a lot of people try to overcompensate for that too, mm-hmm. where they're trying so hard not to be racist that they end up being racist. Like the whole, mm-hmm. I would vote for Obama a third time if I could, <laughs> <laughs> and just like all of the other, you know, at the party, all the little comments that he heard that yeah. that were just like, why, why are you saying, why, why are you bringing that up now? Like, what's such a, it's such an odd thing to say. But like you said,
1: I would just kind of go in without knowing as much as possible and just man, is it interesting? yeah, just where it ends up it's just it gets so weird. I wasn't expecting it to get that weird.
0: It does get weird and i was I was thankful that it got weird, yeah, that was i th- I did enjoy that. I appreciated that. I wanted more Keith Stanfield because he was he not only was he funny but he was like immensely creepy later on in the, yes. in the movie too <laughs> uh, but at the beginning i mean the fact that they decided to open the movie with him i thought it was uh yes.
1: and just like his running dialogue yeah, of what's
0: happening it's a uh, really good and really really good way to uh to start the film off yes and then to definitely show him later where he's
1: just acting so
0: bizarre he, re- he reminded me of the uh when Dave Chappelle does his white man character that's what it reminded me of uh performances uh pretty great across the board highlights uh i would say that the that Betty Gabriel who plays uh Georgina there's a there's a scene where uh the man the main character Daniel Kaluuya kind of oh, he, yeah. he kind of confronts her and the that was something that awesome. scene when he confronts her and they fix the camera just on her face the range of emotion that she goes through in that one scene is pretty incredible like I, yeah. I was pretty blown away by that one scene like that and then she kind of mixes them together too yeah I mean it was that was like I would say almost award-worthy I'd say it is award-worthy that that performance so shout out to uh betty gabriel for that holy crap really really great uh everybody else across the board was solid too i mean katherine keener and bradley whitford were were great they played really good kind of creepy parents and uh i appreciated that and of course caleb landry jones doing his uh i mean that dude like plays like Longstreet. He he just plays a scuzzy dude really really well
1: he does he does it very very every
0: every role that caleb landry jones is in it seems like he came to the set completely wasted out of his mind and was just like let's do this because he always seems (laughs) fucked up to me
1: maybe he is who knows you never know well in
0: most of those scenes that he was in 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 the movie he was drunk that like they commented on him drinking too much or whatever but at any rate, he, he did a good job too, and um, Allison Williams did a pretty solid job as well. I don't particularly like her in other things I've seen her in, but I thought she did a pretty good job in, in this. And uh, definitely L'Oreal Howery. Yeah, he was he was fantastic. TSA. <laughs> oh, he was so funny. That Jeffrey Dahmer shit. Oh my god, yeah. What the fuck? That was ridiculous.
1: Yep. <laughs> when he's on the uh when he was on the phone with it, I almost it almost came out. But that would that would ruin it. But just the way that he reacted to that.
0: Yeah, it was hilarious. Oh, he's so great. But he was he was so smart too, because he was like, I'm gonna record this. Like he, he mm-hmm. knew what was going on, but then of course it didn't work out for him. But yeah. No,
1: it backfired. Just him reacting to everything was great.
0: Yeah uh at any rate get out i would highly recommend seeing this in the theater so definitely go check it out it's doing very well i mean it has 100% on rotten tomatoes i'm sure once the uh box office numbers come out for this weekend i'm i'm sure that it's done pretty good uh, i i would hope um from what i read I it's so. it's uh i i just read like the early numbers and it's Pretty much killed it. It's like a four million dollar movie too, or something. So this is like a pretty low budget uh, film, and it's it's uh, pretty much gonna kill it. So uh, as far as scores go, I think I'm gonna throw out an eight on this one.
1: Oh man, I didn't even think about a score yet.
0: I might even I might even I'll have to see how the rest of the year goes, but I I might have to like bump this one at some point because. I'll say like yeah, eight, cause it was, eight and a half. I mean, because there's very yeah. little. There's like very little uh, as far as criticisms I have with it, honestly.
1: Yeah, I mean, the main thing that I have is when he's kind of like piecing it together, and they kind of do that like walkthrough of like showing scenes from earlier.
0: Yeah, could have dealt with that. You know what, what I mean? That. Like, yeah, it was more it was for was the audience,
1: like, I guess. But yeah, I just that always that always
0: bums me out. Uh I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you too. I'm gonna go eight eight and a half. Strong visuals too, stronger than I than I anticipated. Especially the the kind of um, hypnosis sequences when he goes into what'd she call it the
1: the sunken sunken place. Yeah,
0: yeah, like that that first scene when she instructs him to sink into the floor and how they just show that and then him kind of floating in that like void. I thought that was really a, a cool visual. So at any rate, check out Get Out. It is uh, it's pretty incredible. So. Definitely yeah, do it. Definitely. And it doesn't. Anybody that says that it's against white people just fucking grow up and just go watch it. Like, quit being such a baby. I think it also it also says something about you if you think it's anti-white. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> like uh,
1: white people are weird. I would say Come that
0: ninety-five percent of the audience I saw this with in the theater were black, and it. I had such a great yeah. time. I had such a great time yeah. in that audience, especially my audience. My, my audience was a bit different. Oh, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. This is a bit different. It was a quiet showing. Mine definitely was not, but not in a bad way. It was in a good way. All right, let's move uh, on. Do uh, someone watching on the watch list? I only have a couple of things. Um, I'm going to keep it short too, since we did, we
1: did three, we did a three banger as
0: they say in the business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, what do you got? Oh, I'm starting. Okay. Start. I wasn't ready for that. Oh, shit. Well, if you're not ready, I can start. No. Okay, jump right, i jump in. I actually have
1: notes. I'm just online. Pussy pussyfoot around. Uh, uh-huh. good, good point. Good point. I saw Werewolf. This is a directorial debut from Ashley McKenzie. This is uh, it's a Canadian film. Played the, uh, the, film, the film festival circuit there. Heard some good things gotta say it's a strong debut uh it's a little bit of a kind of a a familiar narrative if you will it's about uh, two recovering heroin addicts they're kind of on this methadone program um so it's kind of like that narrative's kind of built in right you kind of know where where it's going to go what it's going to do and it doesn't stray too far from that but you got to hand it to her, the stuff that she was able to do. She makes a lot of great uh, framing choices. Uh, there's one in particular where they're trying to like get their methadone dosage because they always have such trouble getting their methadone dosages. And uh, the camera fixates on them holding hands while they're interacting with the pharmacist and everything. Uh, wh- how they make their money is they go around with this beat up piece of shit lawnmower and try to mow people's lawns for money. For just tiny bits of money, and uh, right off the bat, starts off with a tragedy, so you know it's not going to end well. And but it kind of subverts that because it actually does kind of end on an upbeat tone, even though that you know it's going to lead into that tragedy that's at the beginning. At the same time, it's 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 uplifting, and it's one of those films that I actually wish extended past its runtime. This is only like seventy-eight minutes long. But the way in which it ends, I was like, I, I kind of wanted it to go further because I thought that it just started getting getting going. Hmm. So it's definitely definitely one to watch.
0: All right, well, what was the name of that again? Werewolf. Werewolf. Uh, I honestly I didn't see much uh, really anything noteworthy this week. I saw a movie called Drifter, which came out on VOD. Oh, no, I'm sorry, it came out in limited release this weekend. It's going to be out on VOD, I believe, next weekend. Uh it's directed by Chris von Hoffman. I believe this is his directorial debut. This is one of these kind of eighties throwback homage mad max horror movies uh didn't really work for me. There were a couple a couple interesting v- bits of visual flair in there, but overall, I found the, the 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 plot to be pretty banal like it was just fairly boring uh basically it's about these two brothers that <clears throat> One of them gets injured while they're out and about trying to, to scavenge for food and whatnot. Uh, and the, the whole thing is that these, these two guys have a working car. Uh, because of that, it makes them targets. So they get, the brother gets, uh, he ends up getting injured pretty badly. So they're out looking for a hospital and they stumble upon this, this town, which is basically um, like a rundown abandoned trailer park. And probably one of the strongest things about the movie is, I don't know where they shot this, if it, but it looked like it really was an abandoned trailer park somewhere out in the desert. And it looked, mm-hmm. it looked awesome. Um, but that, that was probably the strongest aspect of it. Just the location that they shot this thing in. Uh, and they, it turns out that there's this like crazy family of like meth heads, I guess you could call them. And they attack them and, Hold them captive, and it's just, meh. Not, not into it at all. The sound design is, like, way overproduced. So there's sound effects on everything. Like, literally everything. There's a scene where a girl opens up an umbrella, and it's like, whoosh! And it's just like, what is going on here? Like, everything is so overstylized, And they just randomly use, like, split screen and these, like, crash zooms and all this all these like crazy effects and stuff to make it more style like stylish, but it just does not work in most, uh, in most aspects. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like that would be
1: kind of overbearing after a while.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially yeah, the sound did, design, like the, to, the sound design drove me crazy. To emphasize, it was just to emphasize umbrellas. Yeah. There's
1: no need to emphasize. Umbrellas.
0: Uh, also the acting was completely piss poor in every regard. And the, uh, The effects were, were decent, but the, the characters were nothing. Like they were just, they were nothing. They, nothing memorable about them at all. Nothing likable. They they were just blank slates. So Drifter, when that comes out next week, I would probably skip that one. Okay. I saw that uh, Wiener documentary. Oh yeah. I checked that out. I don't think I talked about it on the show, but. I mean, that was kind of fun.
1: It was interesting. They had decent energy. I wasn't. I didn't really know what it. But I didn't know that it was following him during his mayoral yeah, run. Yeah. I, I thought it was just like going over the history of everything. I didn't know they like they were in the moment when so you know the other stuff was coming out. So that was kind of interesting to see. Uh, it was. I found it to be a slightly difficult thing to watch because there's that personal side of it with him and his wife Huma, where I'm just like, I don't want to watch this. Like your marriage is completely falling apart. Like I don't, I don't need
0: to see this. Yeah, and there were several moments too where you just you could just you the look on her face, yeah, man. You could cut the tension in the room with a knife. I mean, it was like holy crap.
1: Yeah, and he just kept fucking up. Like, and it, how he even points out at the end where he's like, "I just seem to fuck up every day." It's like, you, <laughs> yeah, you do, dude. Like. It's just like the public life is not for you yeah. like I like your energy and fighting like
0: it seems like he's an all right guy well that's the thing like his policies just, are good but he just
1: has he has I think it's it seems like it's a this like attention thing which of course the media were fully capable and you know delivering to him And they just kind of fed off of each other with that's all they talked about. And it was interesting because you could see, you know, how they kept showing like some of the voters and stuff where they're like, shut up. We don't want to hear about his personal baggage. Ask him questions about his policy. That's what we care about. And now to see like what happened recently with all the baggage, you know, media is just throwing this scandal, this scandal, this scandal with Trump and all the Trump voters are just like, we don't care about any of that. And it's like, yeah, you guys kind of built that up over the last couple years where people just don't give a shit anymore.
0: Well, and that's what a lot of people are saying, including myself that you have these things like the, the Russia thing and all of these other ridiculous the Nordstrom's thing, all of these ridiculous things that Trump is doing that's getting tons and tons of coverage, whereas the actual policies and executive orders that he's pushing through that are just as that are much worse for the country than some of these dumb things that he says a lot of those things are not getting as nearly as much coverage. And that's the stuff that we should be looking at and should be really outraged about.
1: Yeah. But it was just, you know, because in the past they, they beat these
0: scandals, they beat them to
1: fucking death. And it was just like, cause there's a part of me where I'm like, like, this is my feeling on these types of things where I'm like, you know what? That's your personal life. I don't really give a shit. It was between two cassettes and adults. You didn't do any like illegal shit. I don't care. Like if you can still do your job and do that other stuff, that's fine. Like you need him and his wife need to figure that stuff out. But the public, we shouldn't care because you don't you you don't lose your job for any other thing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's not like CEOs lose lose businesses because well, they had affairs. And I shit. think
0: one of the things that gets people about that is the lying. The, the, the I know, which is so bizarre.
1: They're politicians, man. Like. Stop being so fat yeah, of, of course they of course all they're, lie. they're
0: gonna do whatever all they can <laughs> to cover their asses, you know all the
1: time they lie, they lie constantly, always have
0: yeah I, I completely agree, although with the wiener thing, it's like man, I don't know that one is a little that one's a harder pill to swallow, and same with the Trump thing, you know, like when the whole like pussy grabbing thing came out well, yeah, at f- that's,
1: well that's because that's sexual assault, yeah, like what wiener did he didn't. I mean, I don't know what, like, the, the exact specifics of everything.
0: I think a lot of people like, got bothered by the, the one picture that he took where his baby was next to him. He's, like, naked laying in the bed with his baby oh, next to yeah. him. And that was like, all right, that might be a little too much now. Yeah, he just,
1: he seems to get caught up in the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a creeper, but that doesn't mean that he would be a bad, you know, mayor uh, at any rate. It's a good documentary. It's one of these these kind of time capsule documentaries that I think they just got so lucky in when they decided yeah. to choose to film him because yeah. yep. you know, they were shooting it during this whole this this whole all the scandal and stuff and it just worked out perfectly in their favor. Not so not so good for Mr. Weiner, but <laughs> no. Not at all. Uh I saw a documentary called Magician's Life in the Impossible. This is a documentary about magicians. Ooh. And it's it kind of just uh follows the lives of uh three magicians that are just trying to make it in magic and the the hardships that this kind of that, that job results in. Uh and, and you know, I I didn't feel bad for these guys, unfortunately, <laughs> because it's like that's your chosen profession. You decided to be a, a magician. And like the one guy he was really big he had a, he had this really big career he was on um the tonight show more than like any other uh performer or something he was on like 11 times or something like that so he had all this money and he bought a castle like he legit, he at, bought a castle mm-hmm.
1: that's now i can tell you and i don't know a lot I'm not an expert or anything, but that seems like a really stupid financial thing
0: to yeah, do. Yeah, so he buys a castle and it's this, you know, it's it's the, the kind of place that you would expect a magician to have. Like, there were like... Such a magician th- castle. Yeah, there were like things that would pop up and like hidden rooms. So and- it's,
1: it's not your like normal working
0: class castle. Right. It's more it was, like over the top. It was like, there were like cauldrons and shit. There were sconces Jeez. everywhere. Tacky tacky. Well yeah, I mean everything the magicians. Like what uh, th- this movie made me think about it. Like why are magicians so lame? Like why why do they all wear like the affliction t-shirts and have the worst haircuts and wear the worst clothes? They're just like, so lame. I think it takes a certain person to get into magic. And, and there are, of course it. there's ex- exceptions. Like I think David Blaine is probably an exception. Like he he in and of himself one could argue that he's lame, but he just, he at least wears normal clothing. But, um, yeah, so I didn't really feel bad for this. Like, the guy that had the castle ended up, he had to sell it. <laughs> <You> just... <laughs> the guy that has castle. <laughs> he had to sell it, and he and he ends up getting this, like, really? 300. <laughs> he, had to, he had to get this, like, 300-square-foot studio apartment. Yeah, well, yeah. He... Oh my god, everything you just said is wonderful.
1: And he had to sell the castle. Which come on. We knew that you were gonna say that at some point. He's a magician. That's not something that like endures the test of time where you have like a super long career right making shit tons so, of money.
0: So this guy, he's you know, he's on the tail end of his career. Like he's he's getting up there in age. I don't know how old he was, probably in his sixties maybe, maybe early sixties. Uh and then you have this other guy that they follow, is this German guy. Who he was huge in Germany, like one of the biggest magicians in Germany, and he comes. He decides to come to the states. So he comes to the states, uh, moves to Las Vegas, and then tries to to make it in Las Vegas. And he does. Like he's he becomes really really big. Chris Angel actually steals one of his uh, tricks, and they end up. I don't know if they if they actually did sue him, but they were talking to a lawyer about suing him for stealing one of his tricks. Um, and then what, what does he do? He buys a, a castle. Like the dude also. Wait, buys, <laughs> what, what is
1: with magic? Now, see, this is the type of thing where if you're a
0: documentary filmmaker,
1: you got to realize that the story here is magicians and
0: castles. Yeah. I mean, I guess with his, you would probably more call it a mansion, but I'm calling it a castle. And it's like, Damn. he gets, he gets a little bit of success. And he buys a, and they they like they were showing them around because of the at the beginning of the film he didn't he was just living in a normal uh, apartment and then once he got big when they were still filming he he um got the the giant mansion castle and it had like twelve bathrooms in it and it's like it's you living there with your manager it's two of you living there why why would you do something like that I mean it's so dumb you can buy a nice house that's that's reasonable in size and i mean you have to realize that as a magician there's only a few of them that can make a long lasting career out of it so i didn't i didn't like feel any kind of empathy for for these people at all i wasn't rooting for them in any way there there was one guy um that they followed a little bit and he was this guy he was a (sighs) close-up magician he was trying to get a tv show
1: please tell me that he bought
0: a no he didn't he cause he's still super early in his career so he didn't really he didn't have do the money think, for it but
1: do you think that's what he's what
0: he's going for though? Do you I think, don't that think that's so. like his aspiration? This this guy I don't get the feeling that he's going to go with the castle. He seems like a more grounded normal person. And he, he was the really the only there was two other two other guys like there was him who he was trying to get a TV show and he had like He's living by himself and he has this dog and the dog ended up dying right before he shoots a pilot for this TV show for the travel channel. And he like, he was so like grief stricken. He like fucked up all of his uh, tricks and stuff while they're shooting this thing. And like, I felt really bad for that guy because he was really nice (laughs) too. And then the other guy was this, uh, he, this guy who was, he was like a card magician and he like would tour he tours the country doing lectures and he has a comic book um, called Smoke and Mirrors. It's a pretty popular comic book. And he, at the beginning of the movie, he gets married or he's engaged and then they, they get married. And then by the end of the movie, he's already divorced. Damn. Yeah. Because he is on the road for like 10 months out of the year. So it caused this, this huge rift in his relationship. So, yeah, so basically right. the moral of the story is don't ever try to be a magician because it sucks
1: unless you really want a castle
0: because it seems like that's the direct path yeah you'll get to a castle ownership you'll get a castle it'll eventually get taken away from you but you well, you yeah, get a castle I mean, at least temporarily
1: which you I mean it sounds pretty awesome
0: at any rate magician's life in the impossibles on Netflix instant I'd say it's probably not really worth a look I mean even if <laughs> no, you're really into magic it, it's kind of just depressing
1: maybe it's it maybe it's good for people there considering
0: right because i mean it, it definitely shines a light on just how much work and dedication and how difficult it is just the amount of work that's involved in making that your living yeah <laughs> uh i just remembered him crossing it out
1: magic's not real oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, god uh, that might be my favorite thing from this year I think that's going to make it the whole way to the end of the year. It's my favorite line. mine. Yeah. Um, I watched a Larry Cohen movie from 1972 called Bone. And uh, Larry Cohen, man. I love Larry Cohen. His, he's such a deranged filmmaker. The, his movies are just, they're, they're a fucking mess. They're always a goddamn mess. This, one, this is his debut, right? So it's just, it's all over the place. Like the audio rarely ever syncs up. Like it is just an absolute mess.
0: But it's but that's what makes it so
1: fantastic.
0: Yeah, that's just like his that's just like Q. You know? That, yeah. That movie's a complete mess, but there's just something about it that <laughs> just makes it so endearing. Which is this is another thing about him is
1: his movies are so bad shit and they're dealing with just really bizarre things and just what he like kind of puts together these puzzle pieces that do not fit. They He's forcing he's forcing circles into square holes, and it's just, it's not, they shouldn't go together. But the bizarre thing is that he gets these unbelievable performances in these just batshit productions, and that's how that's how Bone is, too. You have Yafak Koto is fantastic, Andrew Duggan's great, Joyce Van Patten's great, and it's just, it's this great film where Yafak Koto shows up, helps out this super rich couple, They live in the biggest house in this neighborhood in Beverly Hills and he targets them and he's coming to get some money. So he forces them into the house. Turns out they're not as wealthy as he thought they were and they are not a happily married couple. And he ends up like through digging through like all their their bills and stuff kind of finds out all this information that the wife doesn't know about. So he ends up pitting those two against each other. And then kind of forces them and ends up playing. It almost turns into this, like, who's afraid of Virginia Wolf" type deal where he's just kind of sitting back and watching everything unravel. And it's just, it's, man, some of the stuff that he, so he forces the husband because he finds out about this, like, hidden bank account that the wife doesn't even know about. Right. So he's like, I'm going to use this against you. I need you to go to the bank. You're going to get all this money out and you're going to give it to me. And if you're not back by a certain amount of time, I'm going to rape your wife and slit her throat. So he gives him, like, an you know, a deadline. And then he leaves. The guy ends up saying, like, I don't really fucking care. And just goes off and does his own thing. He ends up running into this woman in a bar, okay, that just goes into this, like, conspiracy of dentists. Where she's talking about her husband spent, like, every day he would just go to every single dentist in Beverly Hills and give full mouth x-rays until he died. Like, that's the way he killed himself. And she has the x-rays and she's like showed him the x-rays of her teeth and everything. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on here? A conspiracy of dentists. And she just keeps shouting like full mouth x-rays, full mouth x-rays. And it's just the places that it goes. It's just all over the place. It's, it's all over the place, but it's Larry Cohen. It's just, there's something about him. Plus it's got Yafet Kodo, which I've, Forgot about how much I love him. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he's he's fantastic in this. Alien, fuck yeah. Hey, I mean, you gotta watch Bone, you gotta watch it. I will, I will definitely. It's one it. I I watch this on Amazon Prime. It's free if you have Amazon Prime. Okay, cool. Well,
0: I do. So I'll definitely be checking out Bone. <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch some Bone. The only other one I saw was a uh, movie that's not out yet. It's called uh, uh, Bokeh. I think that's how you pronounce it? It's B-O-K-E-H. It refer it's the term that refers to the unfocused uh light that's on the edges of photos. Okay. Yeah, I looked, yeah. I, I looked it up because I wasn't never heard of that term before, but not a photographer, so. Uh basically this is about a couple who are vacationing in Iceland when like the second day that they're there. They wake up and everybody's gone. Uh, There's nobody like everyone on the planet has seemingly disappeared and it's just about them wandering around trying to figure out what happened and living their lives and trying to cope with the fact that they appear to be the only two people left on the planet. Not an entirely Mm -hmm. new concept, but I'll say this. There's no, there's no like, uh, Aliens or zombies or anything like that—it's not a horror movie at all. Um, it's just a pretty much just a straight drama uh, because it really puts a strain on their relationship. Like the the guy played by Matt O'Leary—he's just trying to acclimate to their new living situation and do things like um, prepare for when the power goes out and when they when they when the water goes out. So he's trying to like you know build things that collect rainwater and stuff like that and just collect, you know, groceries and things and just basically set up a new life for them. But the, the girl played by Micah Monroe, she, she's just not having it. I mean, she, as soon as it happens, she just falls into a super deep depression and just is questioning everything. Like she's just questioning existence. She's looking at, at God and trying to figure out if, if, God did this and why she was left and she just cannot process this. And he, so basically he's just desperately trying to get her to accept the reality. And she's having a really difficult time doing that. Yeah. Um, it's, uh you know, the whole thing takes place in Iceland. Uh, probably the first 20 minutes is basically just a travel log, just an Iceland travel log, which Makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's funny. I, I, been to like almost every place that they show in this movie. Um, in fact, the place that I actually got married is in this movie, and it's uh, so it's you know beautiful landscapes. Uh, it's pretty well shot, surprisingly. I mean, it, we've talked about this before. It's it's hard to. It's, a, it's. I was just gonna say, is it more so just because it's, it's the Icelandic? Like, yeah, landscape. I mean, it's it's I mean, you
1: can't really fuck that up.
0: Right, but it, but it still looks good i mean what they choose to shoot and how they shoot it um is it's good it's good um so it's there's some pretty interesting things that happen in it um it kind of wears out its welcome i'll have a full review for this up uh, i don't even know when this comes out comes out in a couple weeks so i'll have a full review up closer to that time but it, it does wear out its welcome a little bit it gets a little tedious as it goes on because it's basically like them having an argument and then them like collecting supplies and then them seeing like traveling across the country, seeing the, you know, beautiful lush landscapes. And it just basically repeats that cycle throughout, uh, which mm. I didn't entirely have a problem with because, you know, Iceland is just, it's one of my favorite countries and I love seeing it any chance I get. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's okay. I guess I'm, I'm yeah. I'm sitting in somewhere in the middle right now with like a five or something out of 10. Uh, but again, it's called yes. Bokeh and uh, it's yeah. going to be out in a couple of weeks. Maybe it's worth a, it's probably a light recommend. It's worth it just to see, you know, how beautiful. Ice well, is. Uh, what, what would you suggest more? Should I invest? How long is the movie
1: like an hour and a half?
0: Probably. Yeah. It's uh according to letterbox, it's 104 minutes. So, okay. So do I invest 104 minutes watching this or do I invest
1: 15 minutes of just Google searching images of Iceland,
0: which, well, this this, this gives you the video though too. And and it's funny because I mean, when I say it's a travelogue, like I, it hits like every note. Like, I mean, they, they do everything like the glaciers, the geysers, the, you know, rolling hills, (laughs) the caves, uh, they, a lot of it takes place in Reykjavik. So, I mean, they uh, they hit, like, every beat. The
1: goddamn guys. They, they don't
0: go to the volcanoes, and that's that's one area. That, that's probably the only area that they didn't uh, explore in this movie. Okay. The geysers yeah. are great. You know, the thing about geysers, when, when we were there and we were deciding, you know, where we wanted to drive and the different places we wanted to check out, um it was the question was proposed to me do you want to check out the geysers and i was like i don't really care like yeah oh well big big fucking deal water shoots out of the ground not impressed yeah right but but then i was like okay why not we were close by and that you know that's where the name comes from it's actually there's the place is called geyser um so so we went there and it's incredible like when you when you actually go and see it you're just like holy shit this is awesome So, uh, yeah, if you end up going there, I would recommend checking it out, yeah, I feel like
1: you have to see the guys, yeah uh
0: that's all that's all I got. Do you have anything else? No, nope, that's all I got too. All right, Let's move on, talk about some predictions last week, get out I said eighty six you said eighty eight actual one hundred percent. I love it when movies get a hundred. I love it when they get a hundred, and I love it when they get like three and this also got a hundred with a shit ton of reviews, like this isn't like early. Where there's like right, 30 yeah.
1: reviews in. This is like 100 after like 140 reviews.
0: Yeah, this one is definitely getting some universal acclaim. And you, you know how many Oscars this is going to get nominated for? Zero. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, what else we got? Collide. I said 32. You said 34. Actual 19. Oh, Collide. Yeah. Damn. <clears throat> Rough weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah. Rough weekend for everyone involved with Collap. <laughs>
0: Next week we got a big one, Logan. Uh, I'm Oh yeah. I'm uh, really, really excited for Logan. Um, I might actually be seeing this just a heads up. Well, Who knows? I think Will yeah. it actually happen? we'll see. I think you I think you absolutely should. This currently has a ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh it's yeah. getting a lot of a lot of buzz with this one. Uh so what are you thinking on Logan?
1: Uh, Logan. I'm actually going because my wife wants to see it. That's great. Um, I'm gonna go eighty,
0: eighty-seven. Hmm, that's probably a good pick. You, you're damn right, it's a Man. good pick. I'll say eighty-six on that. Ah, um, you should have yeah. just passed. You're not gonna beat eighty-seven. Probably not. Uh, I think that that's really the big. I think that's the. I don't know if there's any other uh, wide releases coming out. I think everyone's pretty much staying away from Logan. <laughs> Nobody wants to fuck with Logan. Yeah. Uh, no one wants to end up being collide. <laughs> yeah. That's no. pretty much it. <laughs> Go the collide route. In limited in limited release next week, we have The Shack. Uh I actually don't really know anything about that one. Uh Before I Fall. That's the one that's like uh Groundhog Day, basically. Uh we went to a press screening for that. Um so that'll be that was,
1: I'm actually like slightly interested in that. Um just because it's relatively so young.
0: Yeah, um mediocre. Yeah, that's about. That's I, I didn't I didn't go to the press screening. Mary did, but Oh, okay. Okay. She said it was pretty pretty average. Um what else do we have here? Table 19. Love song, The Last Word, Headshot. Now this is a this is one that I'm particularly excited about. I'm actually pretty stoked for this one yeah. too. Uh this this one uh we should be covering this one next weekend uh, on the show. Yeah, it looks like we have our two picked out right here. Well, we have another one that's coming up here. Catfight.
1: Yeah, I think that's gonna be our two. Oh, yeah, and Logan too. Oh shit, are we gonna do a th- a three banger next weekend I hope, too?
0: I hope that we can I hope that we can do a three banger <sighs> next weekend. This is the, the new owner uh Tuchel one with Andesh and uh, Mich- uh Sandra Sandro. Sandro. For some reason I wanted to say Michelle oh. Mm. Really excited about that one. It looks very quirky, very uh very typic- typical typical Tuchel. What it
1: says on that poster, deliciously funny. Yeah. I don't I've never understood using deliciously.
0: No, I I don't I don't understand how that's like it doesn't seem like a movie like if you said if you said deliciously funny about uh a, a quirky comedy about like uh cake uh like, like, c- like cake, bakers. Cake, <laughs> cake, cake cake bakers. Cake baker two feuding cake bakers then then, yeah. then maybe I'd say deliciously funny. Yeah, I
1: just don't understand that using deliciously in any other context besides like this food is delicious. Right. Like outside of food.
0: I don't it just doesn't work with anything, does it? No, I don't think so. No. It seems very out of place I, I don't think I'd use that. Lavender uh Donald cried. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Uh, I was surprised that uh, that that one's getting a nice marketing push behind it. I thought that that one was just going to be kind of a fly under the radar type of thing, but they got a new trailer out. They got a nice poster. So yeah, go go check that one out. Even when that played the festival, it wasn't, you know. Yeah, not a lot of people talked about it. Yeah. Uh, The Last Laugh, which is a documentary about comedy and pushing the boundaries of comedy and whatnot. Wolves, Mm. that's the one with Michael Shannon about uh, basketball basketball drama oh yeah he's like a coach yeah yeah the it's got (laughs) he's been making some bad decisions uh yeah the institute uh i think james franco's in that
1: well that tells you everything you need
0: to know uh what else do we got here don't kill it with dolph lundgren oh shit you know they're gonna kill it that's uh the same guy that did big ass spider so i might i might give that a look just. I actually enjoyed Big Ass Spider. It's pretty fun. Wow. And that's uh, that's pretty much it. What's he carrying? It's like some kind of crossbow it, thing. It's like a
1: gun that doesn't even exist in real a life. Blunderbuss? Like. Is it a blunderbuss? It's something ridiculous, man. Yeah, I might,
0: She's I might give that. it a look. Uh, Whoa! It's he's an
1: agent demon hunter. Yeah, I'll probably give that a look.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> checking all your boxes, yeah, up. yeah. Check, checking all the boxes. I mean, lo- with longer, and you already kind of had me on board, but yeah. <laughs> and let's see. Next week on Video on Demand, we have Drifter. That's on the 28th. We have Territorial Behavior. That's also on the 28th. And then uh, let's see what we have on the third. We got My Scientology Movie. That's the Louis Thoreau one. Uh, I've already seen that one. It's, it's decent, but uh, I don't think it quite Nails the execution. What he tries to do is basically uh, pull a um, Joshua Oppenheimer and have former Scientologists recreate some of the various things that they had to do while in Scientology because, you know, obviously you can't film in there and capture it. Yeah. Doesn't entirely work, but it's still a fairly interesting documentary, especially if you haven't seen any of the other, you know, various documentaries about Scientology. Uh, let's see, Don't Kill It, Wolves, and Lavender, and then also The Institute. Yeah. So, you know, solid solid number of things coming out next week. I I think the big three are going to be the ones that we cover. Catfight, Logan, and uh, Headshot. Unfortunately, I don't think any of those are going to be on VOD. Catfight, I feel like that might be on VOD. Well, I, mean, I would imagine so. It's not on our list here. Um because all of the emails that I got regarding it just say theater so I'm I'm not exactly sure okay it might be one of these deals that comes out on VOD later because I believe that it's only coming out in New York so I was gonna
1: say it's probably in New York only yeah
0: yeah next week on Blu-ray this is for Tuesday February 28th we have oh my god I just have to scroll through 35 pages of anime. we got Dr. Strange. Alright. I would I would uh, recommend that one to you. Okay. I think you'll enjoy that one. One of these dates maybe.
1: I'm not promising anything. Actually it's not gonna happen. Sorry. I shouldn't lie. You're never gonna
0: I'm see Doctor Strange. You never if, I mean
1: it's so low on the priority list that there's a very good chance that I'm never going to see Doctor mm, Strange. That's unfortunate. I mean there's a higher probability that I'll see that if it's you know, if if you say Doctor Strange or La La Land.
0: I feel bad that you deprive yourself of these pleasures, Kevin. I hate I mean I don't know. It's just there's you prioritize things, and Doctor Strange. It's just it gets put at the bottom. I'm sorry. Well, as long as Logan's on the top, so we can actually review it next week. That's that's one that might happen. There's <laughs> yeah. a higher probability with Logan. Just throw that out there. Uh, we have all we had. This is the Katie Holmes one. I think that's her directorial debut. We are the Flesh. Uh, Arrow is pointing putting that out. On Blu-ray. Okay. That's that's kind of a surprise. Normally Arrow puts out older stuff. Yeah. In fact, they're putting that out. It's so definitely interesting. Um, uh, What else? We got The Gate from 1987. Okay. That's a solid horror movie. Big fan of that one. Recommend that. Moonlight is coming out. Uh God. The Raid is being put out as a collection, so it has The Raid and The Raid 2. So I'd say oh if you don't God. if you don't already own those, definitely pick that up. Oh, man. Uh, And Slaughterhouse from 1987 is getting a release. And Dead Time Stories also getting a release from 1986. Uh, What do we have on the Criterion front next week? Uh, We have a box set coming out, collector's set. We got link later. His before Trilogy,
1: before Sunrise, before Sunset, before Midnight. Very excited for that. Coming out there. Get that if you're into that thing. I really love the cover to this. I know.
0: And the individual covers look good, too. I don't know if you saw I the mean, individual I'm ones. I'm okay. I like
1: I like the but the the backdrops. I just I just wish I didn't have to see
0: Hawk's goatee, the patchy goatee. Oh, that goatee man. Did you God. did you see um did you see any of those? I saw the first
1: one oh, okay. before sunrise. I did not like it, and that's kept me from the other two. Now I there is I have a slight interest in seeing the other two. Well,
0: the the, the newest one is. That one's interesting because it just it takes place you know so yeah. so much later. And I think this is
1: probably something that will kind of propel me
0: to finish that trilogy. Yeah, definitely. Uh is that is that it for Criterions? That's it. All right. That'll do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse net and at filmpulse Kevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber for just $1 a month. For Kevin sure all my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.